This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to another episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to professionals from museums, cultural, genealogical, and historical societies across the United States. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good day, everyone. Thanks for being here. We have a great program for you today. In this episode, we have the pleasure to meet with Ms. Janet Weber, who serves as the president of the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon, situated in Hillsboro. Established in 1992, the Genealogical Society of Washington County is committed to advancing the study of genealogy and the preservation of family heritage. I've eagerly anticipated the opportunity to meet Janet Weber and to learn more about this captivating and locally supported organization. By the conclusion of this episode, you'll gain an appreciation for the outstanding work they do in Washington County, and I hope you'll be inspired to join them in their mission. I'm Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature information about museums, cultural and heritage institutions, associations, historical and genealogical societies, and history-focused media creators across the United States. I should say we're coming to you from sunny Salt Lake City because, unlike other years, we haven't had any appreciable snowfall yet this season. We've had some up in the Wasatch and Okra Mountains, but not in the Salt Lake Valley. It's been an interesting winter thus far. I actually had to mow my lawn again this week, and that's very unusual for this time of year. Hey, by the way, our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com, but you can find us on nearly all podcast platforms, as well as Rumble, Getter, Minds, TikTok, Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. So wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. We have Preservation Oaks listeners all across the globe. Of course, as you would expect, the highest percentage of our listeners are in the United States and in every state in this beautiful country of ours. But we also have listeners in many other countries. Some of the top listener countries are Canada, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Germany, Singapore, Japan, Honduras, and the United Kingdom. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we meet with Ms. Janice 
Sellers, the president of the Jewish Genealogical Society of Oregon, located in Portland. The Jewish Genealogical Society of Oregon is devoted to developing, preserving, and distributing Jewish genealogical knowledge and materials to others who may be searching their Jewish roots. They have ties with the International Association of Jewish Genealogical Societies. Their holdings include more than 50 basic works about finding Jewish ancestors, newsletters from around the world, microfiche data published by Ava Tainu, the International Journal of Jewish Genealogy, and back issues of Ava Tainu. Access to the library's resources is free to all. All right, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical December events for this episode. On December 23, 1947, the transistor was invented at Bell Laboratories by John Bardeen, Walter Bratton, and William Shockley, who shared the Nobel Prize for their invention, which sparked a worldwide revolution in electronics. Happy birthday on December 23rd to Mormon prophet Joseph Smith, who lived from 1805 to 1844. He was born in Sharon, Vermont. He founded the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Happy birthday on December 24th to American patriot Benjamin Rush. He lived from 1745 to 1813. He was born on a plantation in Bayberry, Pennsylvania. He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, a doctor and humanitarian, whose writings on mental illness earned him the title Father of Psychiatry. He also countered the prevailing notion that alcohol was generally good for people and was one of the first to describe alcoholism as a chronic disease. Happy birthday on December 24th to American frontiersman Christopher Kit Carson, who lived from 1809 to 1868. He was born in Madison County, Kentucky. He was a soldier, trapper, guide, and Indian agent in the Old West. Also happy birthday on December 24th to Howard Hughes. He lived from 1905 to 1976. He was born in Houston, Texas. He was a movie producer, an aviator, an industrialist, whose legendary desire for privacy generated many rumors and much curiosity. Perhaps best remembered for designing an eight-engine flying boat nicknamed the Spruce Goose, which was to carry 750 passengers although it only made one brief test flight. On December 28, 1832, John C. Calhoun became the first American ever to resign the office of vice president. He served under Presidents John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson and resigned after a series of political disagreements with President Jackson. He went on to become a U.S. Senator from South Carolina. On December 30, 1803, the Stars and Stripes flag was raised over New Orleans as the United States took formal possession of the territory of Louisiana, an area of 885,000 square miles, nearly doubling the size of the United States. The territory had been purchased from France for approximately $15 million. Hey, I want to say thank you to www.historyplace.com for this episode's historical events. Let's drink some tea, some Twining's tea. Boy, that's good tea. I love Twining's tea. All right, now let's start with a brief bio of today's guest. 
Janet Weber currently holds the position of president at the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon. With a master's degree in library and information science from San Jose State University, she boasts an impressive 30-year career in library services. For nearly two decades, she has served as a professional librarian in a Washington County public library. A true native Oregonian, Janet's family roots in Washington County date back to June 28, 1887, earning her family an esteemed early settler certificate for descendants of families who arrived in Washington County, Oregon before January 1, 1900, from the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon. This recognition ignited her passion for genealogy, prompting her to delve deeper into her family's enduring ties to the county. As an engaged member of the American Library Association, Janet actively participates in various divisions and roundtables, contributing her expertise to several book award and process committees. Additionally, she is affiliated with the Oregon Historical Society and the Genealogical Forum of Oregon. Beyond her library and genealogy pursuits, Janet holds the title of an Oregon State University Master Gardener and has previously served as the president of the Clackamas County Master Gardener Chapter. When not tending to her own garden or exploring her family history, Janet dedicates her time to assisting others with their gardening and genealogy projects. Welcome to the program, Janet. Thank you, Sean. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am good. It's like summer here all of a sudden. It's kind of cold, but we haven't had snow. Uh, well, we've had snow in the mountains in the Wasatch and the Okaras, but we have had no snow in the valley of Salt Lake yet this year. It's really kind of odd. Yeah, we have sunny weather in the 50s, probably getting down to the 40s at night. Yeah, we've got snow in the forecast for Sunday, but. It's anybody's bet whether it'll actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got Christmas and the holidays coming up. What are your plans for the holidays this year? Yeah, I just go to my folks' house, meet up with my parents and my uncle and my siblings. Fantastic. Sounds like a good time. Are they up in the mountains or over near the coast? or? I live in Washington County. My folks live in Clackamas County. Ah, I got it. So they're over near Portland. I noticed Portland was sort of, at least on the on the map app, Portland was sort of creeping into Washington County. There's parts of Washington County that actually are unincorporated that do have a Portland address. Ah, okay. Yep, that's bound to happen. Yeah. As that city yeah, grows. and. So in the Multnomah County where Portland is and Washington County and Clackamas County are all considered the Portland metro area. Okay. Well, cool. I hope you have a great time at the holidays. Thank you. Janet, what's the history of Washington County, Oregon? So the first inhabitants of present-day Washington County were the Otfaliti, which was a band of the Kalapuya tribe. and the Otfaliti lived throughout the Tualatin River watershed, and they had about two dozen villages in the area. The Tualatin River is a tributary to the Willamette River, 
which flows through the Willamette Valley. The Kalapuya tribe had many bands throughout the Willamette Valley. And to give you an idea of the size of the valley, it is about 150 miles long, stretching from Portland and goes south to Eugene. It is surrounded by the coastal range to the west, the Cascade Range to the east, and meets with the Kalapuya Mountain Range just south of Eugene. The Willamette Valley is the largest valley in the state, and it is a large producer of agricultural products because of the soil, its low elevation, and we have mild winters. And I just learned from a local museum co-director who has worked with people from the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde, which is southwest of Washington County. They have a preference, and their contemporary preference is to now call the local band of the Kalapuya people the Tualatin Kalapuya, rather than continuing to call them the Otfaliti, even though both names still appear in place name. So the Willamette Valley originally was an oak savanna where it had many open fields with lightly forested woodlands, particularly with oaks. And Oregon has four native oaks and most prominent, I would say, would be the Oregon white oak. It can grow 50 to 90 feet tall with a 24 to 40 inch diameter and lives up to 500 years. What's significant about these trees is that they are excellent providers because it has a good wood source and they're drought tolerant and can handle a lot of rain. So for thousands of years, the Tualatin Kalapuya had agricultural practices, which included maintaining the oak savannas by doing annual field burns in the fall at the end of each harvest season. So these burns did not affect the oaks. It was like they were untouched. These field burnings, after they were done, it allowed for the easy collection of fallen acorns that fell to the ground from the trees. And it also encouraged the growth of the camas bulb, which was a very important food source in the Tualatin Kalapuya's diet. And the camas bulbs, those, the flowers emerge in early spring and they have like a purplish flower. They kind of look like a very sparse hyacinth, perhaps, would be a good way to explain it. Interesting. Yeah. So there was one particular open field in Washington County that it had this very prominent stand of a circle of five oak trees together. And the Tualatin Kalapuya used this as a major landmark for meetings. They would have camping there. They would hunt for food. And what they called it, this particular spot in this meadow, was in I hope I'm saying this correctly. From what I've heard, the pronunciation of it was Kataquin. That is spelled C-H-A-T-A-K-U-I-N, I believe here. And that translates into English as the place of the big trees. Now, the spot I'm talking about, it is located in current day, what would be just a pinch north of Highway 26 near Helvetia, 
Helvetia had a very prominent Swiss settlers there. So anyways, when the trappers arrived, in like the, especially in the 1940s, after having so many trapping failures in the Rocky Mountains, they headed west to Oregon. And they were in Washington County. And the Tualatin and Kalapuya taught them how to farm. And when there was more mountain men settling, they started calling these trees five oaks. Joseph L. Meek would hold meetings themselves underneath the trees. And then with Western expansion and the increase of the pioneers settling here, the Tualatin and Kalapuya was pushed towards the west by the white settlers, and they claimed five oaks as their own place where they would meet and have picnics and like big celebrations like around 4th of July. So the provisional legislature originally created Washington County as Tuality District in 1843. And it was one of the four original counties created in Oregon. From 1848 to 1855, the United States made several treaties with the tribes of Western Oregon so they could clear the Willamette Valley to allow for an increase of settlements. And in 1849, the territorial legislature changed the name of Tuality County to Washington County in honor of President George Washington. The county obtained its present boundaries in 1854, and it consists of 700 27 square miles. But I do want to add about the five oaks. Currently today, unfortunately, there's only one original oak still standing. Four replacement trees have been planted there. And a like a memorial educational historic placard was put in there to honor the history of this particular location, which is still known as Five Oaks today. Oh, that's great. Janet, are there any specific challenges or opportunities unique to preserving genealogical heritage in Washington County? Well, according to the Secretary of State, Washington County has been one of the fastest developing areas in Oregon in recent decades. And that's primarily due to the fast growth of the electronics and technology industry in the county. There is a huge industrial corridor between the cities of Beaverton and Hillsboro which you may have heard the term Silicon Forest. The uh, South Bay area in California is called Silicon Valley, like where San Jose is, because of all the high-tech companies. Yeah. So the high-tech companies that are here is called the Silicon Forest because of all the trees. (laughs) And so we've got big-name companies like Tektronix, Intel, IBM, And Intel is the largest employer in the county with over 22,000 employees just in the Portland metro area. The county is also home to major sportswear companies like Nike and Columbia Sportswear. So with so many people moving here, it's hard to keep up with a fast-growing population and to get connected with everybody because there's so many people coming. And so the challenges I see facing the preservation of genealogical heritage is how do newcomers come to the county so they can learn about its history? And housing developments in the county have been exploding because more people are coming here for the tech jobs. 
and they're coming from other areas of the state and many from out of state. And they don't know what Washington County looked like or what its history was before they arrived. Right. Because all of this vast land, which, you know, originally was of the Tualatin and Kalapuya land. And when the settlers came with all the donation land claims and this huge farming community. And now they all are getting developed with all these housing developments. So in the farming industry just keeps getting pushed further and further out. And it has a lot to do with Metro's urban growth boundary where they have plans to expand the Metro area. So anyways, I would love to find a way to educate all of these people about the county's rich history, or at least tell my family's small role it played in Washington County history. And in regards to that, a couple of years ago, I did discover a Facebook group of the local area where my ancestors had lived in Washington County. And it was a really unique way to connect with people who have lived in the area for a long time that you didn't know. And this was like prior to all the development. I'm talking about people who lived here like from the 1980s and going back in time. And, or maybe in the 1990s and going back, back in time. And so on this site, or this Facebook page, I shared some of my family history and other research I've done on the area. For example, my grandfather, he had a gas station and a service station where he was a mechanic and people on this page like oh i know who your grandfather was i loved going to that gas station and just you know little things like that and i wrote an article about the history of the area where my ancestors lived which i published in our genealogical newsletter and I reposted it on this particular Facebook page and one person read it and said that my article was so full of so much information I didn't know I needed to have. Bingo! Yeah. Made a difference in at least one person's life. Yeah, that's fantastic. They didn't know any history. So in summation, what makes the GSWCO stand out from other genealogical societies is that we do not limit ourselves to just Washington County in scope or topics. The group as a whole conducts research in many aspects of genealogy and history and outside of the county and outside of Oregon, outside of the United States. And lots of genealogical information the society has collected is either indexed and kept in the reference section at the Hillsboro Brookwood Library or at other members' homes. Right. You almost have to get with those large companies and perhaps have them donate to the Genealogical Society of Washington County and perhaps do speaking engagements there at those large companies to help the new employees assimilate to the area. Absolutely. I know inside large companies, they have clubs, they have speaking clubs Mm -hmm. and different kinds of clubs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, 
these campuses are built on property that has history to it. Yeah, true. That they may not know about. That is true. Yep. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. What's the history of your society? So the GSWCO was established in the early 1990s. There were folks in the county who wanted something genealogically related rather than having to drive to Portland to the genealogical form of Oregon. And our society was established as a nonprofit organization. Policies and bylaws were created and filed with the state of Oregon. And at that time, there was a president of the society who was a Washington County employee. So they were able to secure a meeting space after hours in a public service building. And then there was also a period when the society also met at the Washington County Historical Society building. And I heard that there were some other places that they may have met, and it went from there. Now, I'd like to share the contact information for the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon, with the listeners. Listeners, you can find them on the web at gswco.org. You can find them on Facebook. Just look for the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon. Their mailing address is P.O. Box 2123, Hillsboro, Oregon, 97123. The physical address where you can do research and they have their monthly meetings is at the Hillsboro Brookwood Library, 2850 Northeast Brookwood Parkway. They're open Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and you can email them at gswco2123 at gmail.com. That all sound right, Janet? Yes. All right, fantastic. Now, your organization serves the entire county. Can you share with the audience the overview of the communities you serve, the variety of your membership, and the mission and objectives of your society? So, as I mentioned before, Washington County is steadily growing. We serve a vast community with different cultural backgrounds. Many people in the Hillsborough and Beaverton areas work in high-tech jobs. There's a wide array of ages. Families move here and more schools are being built. And there's also an incorporated city near me where I live that is very highly populated, mostly with seniors who live there. So we got a wide, wide age range of ages and cultures in the county. And for the membership in our society, I think I'm probably the youngest member of the society. (laughs) And my vice president is probably one of the oldest folks in the society. But the majority of the members are much older than me because I still work. And members are pretty much mostly retired folks. And the mission of the society is to educate the public on how to conduct genealogical research and to provide them with opportunities to learn new skills in locating information about their ancestors. Okay, that's a great mission. 
Yeah, and I know Thanks. you have lots and lots of education that you guys do. Speakers come in, that kind of thing. I was really impressed by that on you know on your website, all of the speakers. What about your background? Thank you. how, how did you come to do what you do now? I know we've read your bio, but I know there's a more personal background. Yes. Well, I used to think, oh, genealogy, that's so boring. I remember one time standing in my grandparents' kitchen and my mom's cousins, well, they'd be mine too. They were extremely involved in genealogy and he would just stand there and just name off this person who's related to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And it's like, how did you have this all memorized? I'm like, boring. But actually in January, 2016, while I was at the American Library Association's Midwinter Conference in Boston, I attended a pre-conference on genealogy, and it was free. And I attended it thinking that I might learn about some resources that might help me with a history research project that I was working on. So there were a bunch of speakers that spoke throughout the day, and there was one guy who presented and he said he was a certified Mayflower descendant and I thought wow that's so cool that he was related to someone who traveled to the U.S. on the Mayflower yeah but I'm like darn it I can't get a and I thought oh I want a certificate too but then I but then I'm like I can't do that because none of my ancestors came on the Mayflower so (laughs) when I got back to work I was talking to a friend of mine who is very much into genealogy and her ancestors came to Oregon on the Oregon Trail. And she said, well, I'm working on trying to get the certificate for my family of being a certified Oregon Trail descendant. And I'm like, I can't get that either. My relatives didn't travel on the Oregon Trail. And my friend said, you know what? There's a whole bunch of societies out there that have different types of certificates you can get for being a descendant. And I was like, really? Well, I wanted something, but I just didn't know what I would be a certified descendant of at that time. And then in 2019, my parents were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. And my sister and my mom were going through a whole bunch of old photos. And my sister was showing me some photos I hadn't seen or photos I did see, but I didn't know their names. And there was a copy of my second great-grandparents' marriage certificate that was in there that I saw. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And talk about perfect timing, because at that time, I discovered the Genealogical Society of Washington County and saw on their website that they were going to have a speaker presentation on dating old photographs. I'm like, I have to go to that. Because I don't know what the dates are on a lot of these photos because they're not marked. So I go to, I go to the meeting and right then and there, I filled out the membership form, paid my dues. And I learned about the early settler certification and knew I had to pursue that. Fantastic. Well, that's what started you off. Yes. That's great. Wow. So you got involved in your genealogy, finding out when your folks came into the county, all of those things. What was your first 
big find in genealogy, the one that gave you chicken skin or perhaps a tear, the one that made you jump out of your chair and yell, yes. Yeah, I just, I had two experiences like that when I was working on collecting the information to prove my bloodline for being a descendant of Washington County, that I was doing research particularly because on my second and third great grandparents who came to the county, I need more details going through this process for the certificate. And I was at the Oregon Historical Society Library. And all I knew is that my particular descendants were in Kansas in 1880. But where were they between that U.S. Census date in the 1900s, because we all know the 1890 U.S. Census, most of it was destroyed. And, you know, I think genealogists and family historians are going to be grumbling about that forever because forever. nothing can be done about yeah. getting those destroyed documents. But anyway, so I was at the library there at the Oregon Historical Society, and I was looking at old Polk directories, and that's when I discovered, okay, my ancestors were living in a hotel that was a boarding house in Portland. And I'm like, oh, but there's still Multnomah County. This is the wrong county. But at that point, so I knew where they were living in Portland. Then I was able to find an image, that a drawing of the hotel that they were residing at. And I was like, wow, because it's not in day. And of course. And I was looking through some files. I found a picture. And at one time, my second great-grandparents owned a store. And then my great-grandparents purchased it from them. And they operated that store. And this was in what is known today as El Monica, the community. It was unincorporated, Washington County, and a number of years ago, it was annexed into the city of Beaverton. Okay. And so I had seen pictures of the store that my great-grandparents had run. But the original store owners from the early 1900s who established the store, there was a photo of that store about 1906, 1907, of that store and it was like a little one room shack cabin like thing and I had no idea about this and I was just amazed that I found that photo but then it's like oh I still don't know why my ancestors came to Washington County and I was at the Washington County recorder's office and I was looking through microfilm and I was tediously looking at all of this scrolled out handwriting, page after page, until I found the deed from the property that my third great-grandparents purchased in Washington County. And that was amazing. I finally found my answer that I was been looking for for so long. What was it? The deed was signed in june of 1887 oh cool very cool i'm glad you found an answer so glad you found an answer yeah well i mean as a librarian 
you do not stop looking for an answer to a question until you get that question answered. Yep, you must be good at your job. And you've been doing it for several decades. Yeah, thank you. Janet, it's time for our first break for a few minutes. Okay. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these important messages. Folks in Washington County, Oregon. Are you ready to dive into the rich tapestry of your family's history? If so, we've got an invitation you won't want to miss. Introducing the Genealogical Society of Washington County, located west of Portland, Oregon. They're on a mission to uncover the incredible stories hidden within your family tree, and they're looking for passionate individuals to join their ranks. Whether you're an experienced genealogist or just getting started, they'll welcome you with open arms. Together, you'll embark on a journey through time, unraveling the mysteries of the past and preserving the heritage of your families. Volunteers and members are the heart and soul of the society. Your skills, your enthusiasm, and your curiosity makes a real difference. The Genealogical Society of Washington County needs dedicated folks like you to help them in organizing events, conducting research, and promoting the love of genealogy in the community. By becoming a member or volunteering, you'll have access to exclusive resources, workshops, and expert guidance from fellow genealogy enthusiasts. Plus, you'll be part of a warm and welcoming community, eager to share knowledge and stories. But it's not all serious research and documentation. They have a lot of fun along the way, swapping tales of family discoveries and building lasting friendships. So, what are you waiting for? Join the Genealogical Society of Washington County today. Be part of something incredible, right in Washington County, Oregon. You can help make history together. To learn more and get involved, visit the website at gswco.org or send an email to gswco2123 at gmail.com. They're excited to welcome volunteers and new members into the family of passionate genealogists and history lovers. Don't let your family's history slip away. Join them and be a part of preserving it for generations to come. The Genealogical Society of Washington County. Where the past comes alive. Unlock your family's secrets, create lasting connections, and make history a part of your story. Join them today. You're listening to Preservation Oaks where we celebrate the great work of historical and genealogical societies and give you the information you need to get involved and have fun doing it. This is Catherine Maguire. I'm a friend of Sean Thomas's. 
We often discuss how difficult it is for some societies to complete research requests. Regardless of where you're from, or which historical or genealogical society you're working with on family research, proper etiquette is important. You don't want to appear to have been raised by wolves. It's a good idea to know some essential skills when working with these valuable societies. Using proper etiquette will help you support the organization performing the sometimes grueling work to find information for you. Here's a few essential skills for you to know. Number 1. If you're communicating with a historical or genealogical society and asking for their help in finding information about family members, pay close attention to their policies and take cues from them. Number 2. Many genealogical and historical societies do not have all their paper and photographic records digitized and online. Therefore, things are not fast and easy for them, unless they get lucky. Many times, the society relies on the skill and knowledge of volunteers. They often comb through filing cabinets, books, directories and newspapers to find information you're seeking and information that will be valuable to you. This can take hours, days, and sometimes weeks, depending on what you're requesting. Be aware of this effort. It is often invisible to you but quite real. Number 3. Regardless of the official policies, which are generally very low cost. Whenever you make a request to a society please donate liberally to help cover the cost of the time it takes to complete the research, make copies, mail information to you, and so on. Number 4. If the society finds information that helps you, and from that, you know your family lived in the area, then good etiquette is to join and become a member, and then to donate regularly. As a member, you often receive discounts both on the books you may need, as well as additional research from the society. If you live in the area, it's a good idea to volunteer. That way, you can get to know the records and the history of the area. Having this knowledge will greatly improve the outcomes of your research. Number 5. Whether the research is fruitful or not, always send a thank you note or card in the mail, and don't wait more than a day or two after research concludes. Address the society, and thank them for the work they did and the information they sent, or just for trying hard to find something of value for you. Then add another short, positive comment to show your appreciation. Your note may be brief but heartfelt. It's easy to have good manners. These basic rules are just common sense. Ta-ta for now my friends. Step into the past with Preservation Oaks. Voyage with us every two weeks for another episode that brings history and your community alive. Join us on a journey with the finest guests from museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies. We'll share the best information about these core societal organizations. You'll learn about the great work they do and why you can feel good volunteering and supporting them. Join us wherever you get your podcasts and then follow, comment, like, and listen. Hello, my plebes. This is Cleopatra, Queen of the Nile. While I'm waiting for Mark Anthony, I'm listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. This is an alien from Planet Zang, and I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Bye.
Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Ms. Janet Weber from the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon, located in Hillsboro. Let's pick up where we left off. Welcome back, Janet. Thank you, Sean. Janet, when did you move from being a researcher of names, dates, and places to telling a story of real people with accomplishments, lives, tragedies, and dreams? I think the biggest impact in my research was locating newspaper articles regarding my ancestors and their neighbors through the Historic Oregon Newspapers Database through the University of Oregon Library. Through that database, I learned when someone got kicked by a cow or when they had the flu or when they had a meeting with a group of people or held a party at their home and what colors they decorated the home with. <laughs> yeah, those newspapers back then, they had everything in there. Those were the sort of like the internet today where people post that kind of information on Twitter and Facebook about what they're doing in their yeah. daily lives. Yes, it was the social media yeah, that's of the it. time back then. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, fantastic. Which people that you've researched in your own or other trees have you found yourself attached to because you know them so well? I think that would be a man I was researching who is not a family member, but lived in the area where my ancestors did. His name was Sam B. Stoy, the B for his middle name, which was Butterworth, so Sam Butterworth Stoy. He was a prominent insurance man in Portland and he owned a large property in the early 1900s. And he was the one who came up with the name for El Monica, where my ancestors were born, lived, and worked. Oh, cool. So you got to know Sam very well. Yes, where he worked downtown too. Oh, that's great. I love it when that happens, when I'm deeply embedded in the research and I just get to know someone, a character, very well. Absolutely. So what's coming up on the horizon for the society? We meet the second Saturday of each month. And on January 13th, 2024, we will have a presentation about the history of 18th century transportation. Our February 10th meeting will be about probates and if your ancestor had a will or not. March 9th, we will have a presentation about large archives and libraries, such as information about the National Archives and Records Administration and the New England Historical and Genealogical Society and other locations. Side note, I did get to visit the New England Historical and Genealogical Society when I was in Boston oh, good. for my pre-conference. And in April, there will be a presentation about adoptions and genealogy and learning methods for adding adoptees to your family tree. Nice. Now, if I'm out of state and I join your society, can I attend these presentations via the web? Absolutely. Fantastic. Because we are offering hybrid meetings so people can still join in via Zoom. 
because that one sounds really good. 18th century transportation. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Besides the presentations, are there any other upcoming exhibitions or events that the community should look forward to? Well, on the second Saturday, when we have our educational presentations in the afternoon, we do provide one-on-one research help to people who need any help or assistance in researching their ancestors. Very cool. Can you tell us one or two success stories about how the society helped people grow and learn or how you've helped people find their ancestors? Well, our vice president, she organizes the, uh, the our Saturday one-on-one research help sessions. She told me that she was helping a woman who lived in Washington County and needed help finding her ancestors that were listed as passengers coming into San Francisco from Japan. And so the vice president said that this person was very thrilled because she helped her find the information because she didn't know where to look for her ancestors. Oh, very cool. And a recent exciting thing that happened to me is I had a colleague approach me at work and she said, okay, now I know that you're involved with the genealogy society. And do you know anything about DNA? I'm like, no, not a whole lot. Cause I haven't done a DNA test. I know shame on me. But anyway, she said she took a DNA test and her results showed that she had an X percentage of native American in her ancestry. Oh, cool. And she knew already that she had that through her grandmother. And she said, but how am I supposed to find out? I don't know what tribe my grandmother was with. And she thought she was going to find that on the DNA test. And she thought the DNA test would show where her ancestors were tribally enrolled. And I said, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and look up your grandmother's name and ancestry. And immediately, right off the bat, we found my colleague's grandmother's name on a census that where she was tribally enrolled in and she found out what tribe she was. Oh, that's amazing. An ancestor too. Oh, that's she really was good. so excited. I mean, she was like, you know, shouting for joy practically. And oh, yeah. it was it was just really thrilling to see how excited she was. What kind of funding model supports the society? What are your funding goals for this coming year? So with our funding, it primarily comes from members paying their membership dues. Regular membership is $15 for a year for a single person or $20 for a family. If they would like to get email notices and our quarterly newsletter emailed to them. If you would like to have notices and your newsletter mailed to you through the postal service, it's $20 a year for a single person or $25 for a family. We also have an investment account, which is created by large donations from member estates or donations as a memorial to someone who was a previous member. So we let that sit and grow. Yeah. For our funding goals for the upcoming year, we hope to increase membership, but at the present time, 
we really don't have a need to raise money through sales or do other fundraising because we get enough dues to pay for things in the budget and that gets supplemented from our investment account. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good to hear. I, I had read that you do some kind of an annual holiday celebration. So each December, the second Saturday of the month, instead of having an educational program, we have a celebratory get together in December where we go around the room and folks who want to share can share about their genealogical discoveries that they made during the year. And we all celebrate with one another for those accomplishments. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. And, you know, and also have social time too, because there's not a lot of that when it's our meeting times are devoted to listening to the speaker give a presentation. Yeah, I bet that's interesting, and I bet that's fun. Yeah, and we haven't done it for a number of years face-to-face. Oh, COVID. Because yeah. of COVID and lockdown, is it was virtual, and it's like, you know, kind of clunky to have a social hour with so many things. But this year, we're going to do it face-to-face. Mm. Folks are really excited, and I'm excited because then I can bring stuff with me for a show and tell. Fantastic. That, um, I'm, I put together some memorabilia photographs and stuff for a family reunion we had back in August. So I want to take those notebooks to share with folks. Oh, that's So great. they can see what I've done. Now, when we chatted earlier, you were telling me about something called biannual monumental moments. Oh, right. Can you tell me more about that? So, historically, this biannual monumental moments event was held at the Hillsborough Pioneer Cemetery, and it had a lot of founding fathers and, of course, pioneers of Hillsborough when it was being established. And long before I came on board with the society, they did research for pioneers that are buried at the cemetery. And this monumental moments event, they have actors and actresses portray these pioneers who are buried at the cemetery. So the Genealogical Society, they did a lot lot of research on these individuals. So these actors and actresses can portray these early settlers and pioneers. And so the the, uh, society kind of, I guess, was hosting it from what I gathered. And then the city of Hillsborough came on board because they were able to carry the insurance and liability that the genealogy society couldn't afford. And yeah, so now the city has made it into a much more larger event with live music and tours and other information. However, the last couple of years, the city has made it into a video production because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And the city was going to have it this year, but then too many of the actors and actresses came down with COVID, so the event got canceled. And so the city is working with a local cable production company to create another video. <laughs> wow. 
Now, the Genealogical Society does all of the historical research to help the actors get into character? Correct. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, someday it'll come back to being a live event. Now, do they have it? Do you have it in a park or at a theater or how does that work? It it is it is at the actual cemetery. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, and it's gotten to the point where they have live musicians there too. And you know, and these these actors and actresses, they also dress the part with historic apparel. Wow. To represent their character even more. Yeah, I wish you much luck with that. That's great. Thanks. Now, just to get some of the utility stuff, just in case someone's coming in from out of town, you know, they want to do some research. I know that more than one library in the county has areas where you can do genealogical research. That's correct, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. But the Genealogical Society of Washington County, their home, I guess, is at the Hillsborough Brookwood Library. Am I correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. So what are the regular research hours? Well, I wouldn't really say research hours. I would much rather say that you can come to the Hillsborough Brookwood Library during any hours the library is open to the public, seven days a week, unless they're closed. Okay. But the Genealogy Society, we typically offer our one-on-one research help from 1 to 3 p.m. on the days we have our Saturday speaker presentation, which okay. is the second Saturday of the month. But we will not be doing that in December or in the month. So we do it every month during the year except for December, July, and August. Got it. So if I come in from out of town and I say to myself, oh, I know I have these ancestors there, and I stop by the Hillsboro Brookwood Library during open hours, and I come in, where do I go? Do I go to the second floor? Is there a research area? How does that work? So the library's reference collection is on the second floor. When you come into the building, there are automatic sliding glass doors, which are very fancy. And you can go up the stairs to your right, or you can go up to the stairs to your left. And the reference department and computers are on the north side of the second floor. Okay. Now, should I call ahead? Are there any records that are restricted and I have to special order them in order to look at them? That kind of thing? Well, they're... I wouldn't say that there are record restrictions. The library does house about seven shelves worth of genealogical and local history materials. And they are all reference materials and they must stay in the building. And I do want to share that the Hillsboro libraries are a member of the Washington County Cooperative Library Service. And through WCCLS, they subscribe to a number of databases, one of which is Ancestry and also Heritage Quest. During the COVID lockdown, folks could access Ancestry through their computer or however they access the internet, and they can access it through WCCLS. But then I don't remember when it was that Ancestry said, okay, 
the license will no longer allow people to use ancestry from home. So now people can only access it while they are in a WCCLS public library. Okay. The hang up with that is because it is an institutional account, patrons cannot create their own account or family tree in ancestry. Right. So folks wanting to create a tree will need to use another resource or software to build their tree and keep their information. But when you're in the library and you find documents through Ancestry, you still have the option to print or to send that document to your personal email. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yes. And another important piece of information is that the Brookwood Library also has the Hillsborough Argus newspaper dating from 1895 to 2012 on microfilm. They can be browsed using the library's microfilm reader. Users can print, email, or save images onto a thumb drive, but none of the articles are indexed. But if they wanted some local information about Washington County or Hillsborough, they can still access the University of Oregon's Historic Oregon Newspaper Online Database, which only carries the Argus newspaper from 1895 to 1934. And that can be accessed from anywhere. There's no restrictions to that. Okay. And so you can look up your ancestors' names in there or what, or places or whatever you want in there. Um, on the other hand, I would like to note that Many obituaries from the Hillsborough Argus and the Hillsborough Independent Newspaper, they have been indexed by a past Genealogical Society of Washington County member in the mid-1990s. So this index is collected in a four-volume set of notebooks kept in the library's reference collection along with all of its other genealogical and local history materials. It is called Genealogical Material Abstracts from the Hillsborough Argus and the Hillsborough Independent, Hillsborough, Oregon. And so if you look up a name in there, it will tell you which publication the obituary was published in, the date of that paper, and the page number. So then you can t- make note of that and look it up on the microfilm by getting the correct reel that would contain that particular issue. Yeah. Or if it was an obituary published in 1934, they can access it on the University of Oregon's historic Oregon newspapers database. Okay, fantastic. Now, I assume you also have paper copies in your files in the reference area. Paper copies of records in some regard. Are there any restrictions on copying those? So there's no restrictions on copying that I know of. Okay. Fantastic. People should know that the library does offer wireless printing. So if you are in the building and you're looking at something on your phone or your tablet, you can follow the instructions online on how to access that service, depending on which library you're at. But if you're at the Hillsborough Brookwood Library, you can just 
follow the instructions at wccls.org forward slash libraries forward slash Hillsboro Brookwood. And it will give you instructions on how to do that wireless printing. Black and white copies are typically 10 cents a page and color is 50 cents a page. Okay. Thank you for that. Or, you know, if you got your phone or your tablet, you can always take pictures of the documents and not have to print. That was my next question. If I could bring a camera or a mm. laptop or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like, yes, we can. I want to give the contact information for the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon, one more time. Their website is gswco.org. You can find them on Facebook. Just look for the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon. Their mailing address is P.O. Box 2123, Hillsboro, Oregon, 97123. Their physical address where they you can do research and they have their monthly meetings is the Hillsboro Brookwood Library, 2850 Northeast Brookwood Parkway. They're open Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. and Friday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And their email address is gswco2123 at gmail.com. Janet, we've got to take a break for a few minutes. All right. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these important messages. Are you curious about your family's history? Want to uncover the hidden gems in your family tree? Well, look no further. The Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon is here to help you on your genealogical journey. Join us throughout the year for a series of exciting and educational genealogy events. At the Genealogical Society of Washington County, we're passionate about preserving family heritage and helping you explore your roots. Whether you're a seasoned genealogist or just starting out, we have something for everyone. Our events include workshops, guest speakers, and hands-on research opportunities. Learn the latest techniques, discover fascinating stories, and connect with others who share your passion. Are you ready to embark on an incredible journey of discovery? Join us at the Genealogical Society of Washington County and unlock the secrets of your past. Don't miss out on our upcoming events. Together, we'll uncover the incredible stories that make your family's history come alive. Email us at gswco2123 at gmail.com or Visit our website at gswcode.org to find our event schedule, membership information, and more. Connect with fellow genealogy enthusiasts and start building your family's unique narrative today. Come be a part of something amazing, right here in Washington County. 
Join the Genealogical Society of Washington County and let the adventure begin. Discover your roots, make new friends, and be a part of the rich tapestry of history. The Genealogical Society of Washington County, where the past meets the present. This is Kirk Dillon, a friend of Sean Radcliffe's. Preservation Oaks brings you unbeatable information about museums, cultural, heritage, historical, and genealogical societies across the United States. It is a most enjoyable program that enables the public to look under the covers, as it were, and to feel completely comfortable with their decision to donate, join, volunteer with and support their organization of choice. I strongly encourage you all to give three cheers to the unsung heroes that are our nation's Preservation Oaks, for the hard work they do at your local society. It's very important work that really must be done properly, with everyone in the community helping as much as possible. Please follow, like, and listen to each episode of Preservation Oaks, but much more importantly, do please join, donate, and volunteer at one or more of your local societies. Thank you very much. This is Taylor Volts, the director of the Historic Mobile Preservation Society, and I love listening to Sean Thomas Radcliffe on MicroStream Radio. This is Ron Wanamaker, the president of Preservation Burlington in Burlington, Vermont. I had a lot of fun on, as a guest on Preservation Oaks. This is Debbie Burgess, president of the Onega Historical Society, and I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. I started life from fire and wood. I was shipped from the east coast of the new United States to the far west. I went on display at a trading post and was bought by a settler named William. He used me almost every day to rustle up grub for his family. He kept me oiled and cleaned. I was so happy to be so useful. William had a very good aim. He could hit the eye of a coon at 50 paces. When wolves broke into the corral killing livestock, William and I waited one night and took them out one by one. I was deadly in the hands of William. Then, the town we lived in grew and William didn't use me that often any longer. When William died, I was passed to his son Joseph, but Joseph already had a newer model, and so I sat in the closet for a long time, wrapped in oilcloth. Then, finally, after being passed on to several different family members, and then hung up over a fireplace, where I collected dust and soot, I was donated to the local historical society. They catalogued me, shined me up, oiled me, and made sure all my parts worked like new. Now, I'm on display for the community to see every day, and they marvel at the way I was made and how long my barrel is. 
I feel so proud that I can help others understand the past, which I guess I'm now a part of. Rather than throwing it out, please donate historical records and objects to your local historical society today. 9 out of 10 curators agree, Preservation Oaks is the best podcast on the internet. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Ms. Janet Weber from the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon, located in Hillsboro. Let's pick up where we left off. Welcome back, Janet. Thank you, Sean. Hey, right before the break, we were chatting about some of the nuts and bolts aspects of visiting the society at the Hillsboro Brookwood Library. Is there a lunchroom or nearby parking or public transportation? So the library has a very large parking lot, and I've never seen it maxed out. So there's always a place to park. And there's a bus stop right across the street from the entrance into the library parking lot. And it does not have a lunch room or a break room per se for the public, but there are study rooms that can be reserved in advance or on a first-come, first-served basis. So there's that option. And since the building is set within a very large corporate office park, there is an actual park behind the building with seating, pond or lake, whatever you want to call it, and walking trails. And sometimes the Friends of the Library has little snacks for sale, too, if you need a snack. That's very cool. Generally, societies are always looking for volunteers. What kinds of volunteer opportunities does the society have for members and the public? So our organization is solely run by volunteers. Everything that's done is volunteer. We have a board that meets once a month, which includes elected officers for the positions of president, vice president, treasurer, and secretary. Then we have five members at large who are also part of the board. We can always use volunteers to help with our one-on-one research help. And we also have an education committee that recruits speakers and plan programs. We have an editor of the genealog. Everything is volunteer-based. Fantastic. If I want to volunteer and I'm listening to this broadcast now, you know, do I just contact the society and reach out to them? Yes, just send us an email at gswco2123 at gmail.com and we will be in touch with you. Okay, fantastic. Now, I imagine in a county the size of Washington County, you have a lot of different cities and towns. How does the society interface with 
the other societies, the other museums, the other historical societies, whatever is in the county, how does the society interface with them? Well, with other organizations that we've been working with a little bit, the board did pass a motion to make a donation to the Hillsborough Historical Society to assist in getting past issues of the Hillsborough Argus digitized for inclusion in the Historic Oregon Newspapers Database at the University of Oregon Library. We partnered with the City of Hillsborough's Brookwood Library because we meet there, but we also provide the library with free programming. So they do not need to take money out of their programming budget to hire someone to perform an event like a magic show or a puppet show or a musician. We provide the city free programming for patrons. So this year I learned about the History Roundtable, which was established by the Five Oaks Museum. The Five Oaks Museum was previously known as the Washington County Historical Society, and they had a museum. This building is located on the Portland Community College Rock Creek campus, which is in Washington County. Portland Community College has a handful of campuses throughout the Portland metro area. But to be precise, this is at the Rock Creek campus in Washington County. So this history roundtable meets quarterly and brings leaders together from other area historic groups to discuss what their organization is working on, what kind of initiatives they are trying to undertake, stuff that they're hoping to plan for the future. So it's a great opportunity to make connections with these other organizations from around the area and a lot of them are small groups I never heard of before. So we do have a member who attends these meetings regularly as a representative of our society. I have only been able to go to one so far. But through this history roundtable, I'm very hopeful in making some stronger connections with other organizations to help spread our message of what we do for the public. Ah, that would be great. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of interesting books has your society published? In the past, the Genealogy Society had some genealogical books and CD-ROMs for sale. They are no longer available. Everything's out of print. All the copies are gone. But they are available at a number of public libraries within Washington County. However, there were two titles that the Genealogy Society members had worked on, one of which was volume four, or I should say book four, of the Washington County Oregon Marriage Records from 1896 to 1902. And then there was the index to publications. So this information that was contained in books that were published by the Washington County Historical Society 
And those were volumes one, two, and three of The Land of Tuality. And History is Carved in Stone, History Paper Number One. And Doorways to the Past, A Tour of Forest Grove's Finest Historical Homes. So this index to all of those titles was published in 2000. And again, those were all items that were previously available for sale, but are no longer in print and, again, can be accessed at a number of Washington County public libraries. Okay, very cool. Thank you for that. Sure. And, okay, and you know what? I should mention all of those titles are also at the Hillsborough Brookwood Libraries Research Collection, too. Okay. I'd like to remind listeners that the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon's website is gswco.org. Janet, what kind of things are available to do on your society's website? Of course, it has a list of the officers and the members at large. It has the membership form that you can print from home. It has an index to a number of historic Washington County data, such as vital records, which would be like delayed births and marriage records. There's information about court records, which would include declaration of intent covering the years 1889 to 1891, a probate record book, naturalization records from 1890, jurors' lists of 1881 to 1890, plaintiff and defendant court index, miscellaneous clerk records from 1854 to 1894, and tax rolls from 1890 to 1891, which is one resource that I use to help determine where my ancestors were living. And there's some military records specific to the county and cemetery records specific to the county. And there's also a page that has links for conducting Washington County research or looking for research in other locations as well. Fantastic. What's the easiest method for members of the public to donate to the society? They can always send us a check through the mail to the GSWCO at PO Box 2123, Hillsborough, Oregon, 97123. Fantastic. Thank you. Can you tell the audience about any current initiatives or needs of the society that you want the people of your area to know about and support? We are donated funds to the Hillsborough Historical Society to get additional issues of the Hillsborough Artists digitized through the University of Oregon's newspaper database that I've been referring to. We would really like to see our membership grow and have more people attend our educational speaker presentations on the second Saturday of the month. And I was thinking the other day, it's like, okay, going to these presentations are free for people. But in reality, I'm paying $15 a year to see like 10 presentations. I think that's quite a bargain. That is quite a value. Yeah. And we can always use more volunteers. We love more members. And right now we're currently looking for a new webmaster and a secretary. My web authoring tools 
were learned when I was in grad school in the early 2000s. And things have changed a lot. And I'm going to try to make some updates to the webpage. But, you know, it's like I'm 20 years out of practice with that. Right, right. Yep. Okay. There must be local schools or colleges or things like that in the area where you may be able to get interns or some people like that to help. Yeah, it's a good idea. Just a reflective question here. Why is the society important to the community and what makes your organization different or unique from others? I think what makes our society different and unique from other societies is that we run on volunteer help and we are dependent on volunteers to keep the society functioning. We have been able to provide monthly presentations by experts and nationally known genealogists that we typically would not have been able to get if we were only meeting face-to-face. And people have the option right now if they want to attend a meeting from home or they can come meet in person. There are folks out there who do not have access to internet and then they can come to our meeting at the Hillsborough Brookwood Library and watch the presentation there. So thanks to Zoom, we've been able to get all these other speakers to come that we normally would not have been able to get. And because of our partnership with the library, again, we are able to provide the library free programming to the community. And unlike the genealogical form that has their own building or other societies or museums that have their own building, we do not have our own building or facilities for meeting. So we do not have to worry about rent and building maintenance and utility bills. Right. Because of our partnership with the Hillsborough Brookwood Library. And we are thankful for them making accommodations and assistance for us to use their facilities to provide the free programming. And because of all this, and with our investment account, all of this has helped us to keep our dues at only $15 a year for an individual. And We offer free information on how to look up your own genealogy using up-to-date research sources and are glad to help people find information about their ancestors. All right. Thank you. Janet, what services does the Society offer for free and what do members and or the general public need to pay for? So, like I've mentioned before, all of our Everything we do is free for the public. We do not charge for anyone to attend an educational meeting. We do not charge for people needing one-on-one research help. Everything is a free service to members and the public, unless you pay $15 for a yearly membership. Right. Okay. What's the best way for people to connect with someone in the society if they have questions? They can always email us at gswco2123 at gmail.com. Fantastic. We have a number of board members who check that on a regular basis. Okay, great. Is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about? A lot of folks in the society, and I'm sure it is the same with 
any other organization is how COVID disrupted programs and because of the closures in and all that. We don't need to rehash that because everyone knows what happened with that. So it, it put a hiccup in things, but luckily when everything was closed, the Hillsborough Brookwood Library offered us free use of their Zoom account so we could still continue to have our monthly programs on the second Saturday of each month. We were not able to provide our one-on-one help. But now that we are offering hybrid meetings where folks can attend from home via Zoom or in person, we started our one-on-one research help again. So we want people to take advantage of that service. And we are a small organization. So we do the best we can. And we want people to know that we exist. And we welcome people to join us anytime so they can learn more about their ancestors. Because it can be very exciting to make new discoveries about your family history that you didn't know was there. Plus, like I said before, everything we provide is a free service to the public. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Janet, I want to thank you for spending time with us today. I've learned so much about your society, had a great time. It's been eye-opening to understand how much your society does for its members and to help the community. Thank you, Sean, for having me and inviting me to be part of this process. I hope this has been beneficial to listeners and encourages them to seek out their ancestry and learning more about their family and also a little bit about Washington County, Oregon. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And with that, we'll end our time with our guest, Ms. Janet Weber, the president of the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap up, which is coming up next. Welcome back. President Janet Weber is highly educated with a 30-year career in library services. I hope listeners were able to understand her enthusiasm for and dedication to genealogy. For me, it was contagious. It was great that she shared how her interest in genealogy was sparked by obtaining an early settler certification from the Genealogical Society of Washington County. It was also great learning about the history and the future of Washington County and the challenges that Janet and the Genealogical Society have in educating newcomers to the county in the history and culture of the county. Please, if you have ideas, get involved, donate your time and talent, and pass them on to Janet and the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon. It was also great learning about the Tualatin Kaliapuya Native American peoples of Washington County. 
That was very interesting, and I thank Janet for helping all of us understand more about the rich history of the area. The most pressing priorities of the society are, number one, to attract new members and volunteers. Hey, if you live in the area, or you have ancestors from the area, I think if you take a look at the genealogical presentations available to members by professional genealogists per year, you'll see that the annual membership price of just $15 is a great value. Please join, volunteer, and support them. And the second priority is to find a volunteer with web design and coding skills so that the Society's website can be refurbished. If anybody out there is a webmaster who can help, please connect with the Society as soon as possible. They can really use the help. The Society is supported by an endowment investment, donations, and membership dues. Please help support the Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon today. Janet reviewed the funding particulars of the Society so you know where the funds are going and what the priorities are. The Genealogical Society of Washington County, Oregon, located in Hillsboro, is truly one of our nation's preservation oaks. One more time, the contact information for the Society, you can reach them at their website at gswco.org. You can find them on Facebook. Just look for Genealogical Society, Washington County, Oregon. Their mailing address is P.O. Box 2123, Hillsboro, Oregon, 97123. The physical address where you can do research and they have their monthly meetings and they call it their home is the Hillsboro Brookwood Library at 2850 Northeast Brookwood Parkway, which is open Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. and Friday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can send them an email at gswco2123 at gmail.com. Okay, if questions occur to you and you'd like more information, please connect with the Society via the contact information provided. If you're a listener in the area the Society serves, or if you're a listener researching ancestors in the community the Society serves, and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting them. I hope this information helps the audience understand how valuable the Society is to the community and what kinds of excellent services they have to offer to their members and the public. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Cymbal Bird, Crazy Tunes, Nicketsan, Track Tribe, Patriotism, Tim McMorris, and Scott Holmes. MicroStream Radio is a registered trademark. You can visit us at www.microstreamradio.com. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by MicroStream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of MicroStream Radio. Thanks to everybody for listening. This is Sean Radcliffe. We'll see you all next time on Preservation Oaks. And until then, keep on giving and keep on living the good life.